0: From the United Nations in Bonn, I am Leonie Beck. And I'm Monia Sauvagea. And we are the hosts of Inside UN Bonn, your podcast about the people and stories behind the United Nations in Bonn. On today's episode, we will talk to someone who serves as a UN volunteer deployed by the second largest UN entity in Bonn. The United Nations Volunteers Program contributes to peace and development through volunteerism worldwide. It works with partners to integrate qualified, highly motivated and well-supported UN volunteers into development programming and promotes the value of global recognition of volunteerism. In 2020, 9,459 UN volunteers contributed to the effective delivery of the peace and development interventions of UN system partners. 84% 84% of them coming from the Global South. UN volunteers engage in tasks ranging from humanitarian work to communications or software development and are entitled to certain allowances so that they can sustain a modest and secure standard of living at the duty station. Apart from volunteering on the ground, there are also volunteering opportunities online. We will now talk to Shireen abu Fanune from Palestine. She is a UN volunteer and serves in the field of human rights with the UN peacekeeping mission MINUSMA in Mali. MINUSMA was established by the Security Council in 2013 to support political processes in Mali and carry out several security-related tasks. Hi Shireen, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Mali today. How did you first hear about the UN volunteer program? I first heard about
1: it in 2014 when I was doing my LLM at the University of Essex. It was through one of my friends who uh, was telling me about her future plans and what she would like to do. And she mentioned the UN uh, Volunteers Programme. And I was intrigued by it. And it was later on when I did my uh, my profile.
0: As we learned, UN Volunteers is headquartered in Bonn, but the volunteers serve worldwide. What motivated you to apply for the UNV Programme?
1: I thing what motivated me it's just it felt like a very good entry point to be introduced to the united nations uh, organization and i think the interesting thing about being a un volunteer is also the fact that you're wearing two hats at the same time one hat is for the mission or for the agency that you work for but the other hat is for uh, the UN volunteer. And if if one hat is limiting in terms of who are the people that uh, you can contact and you can communicate with, the UN volunteer just gives you more opportunity to be closer to the community that you work for and with, which was something I really wanted to do and I didn't want to limit myself to a, a desk kind of job.
2: And now your role is a Judicial Affairs Officer at the United Nations Multidimensional Integrated Stabilization Mission in Mali, which is the UN peacekeeping mission known as MINUSMA. Can you tell us a bit more about your tasks and duties as a Judicial Affairs Officer?
1: It's very interesting. There's no day that looks like the other. I mean, uh, one day we are focused on the fight against impunity, other days we're working on the restoration of state authorities, another day we're doing reconciliation between disputed communities, and uh, other days we're just doing capacity building trainings based on the needs of the judges and the prosecutors that we work with. And so it's really interesting because there's no routine and every day is just different and sometimes unexpected in terms of what we are going to to do next. MINUSMA is basically all about the protection of civilians and also about the restoration of state authority. So if we look at the themes of our section, which is justice and corrections, we work on the justice and the other part is working on prisons. The main themes of our mandate uh, as a section is restoration of state authority, which includes assisting the judges and the prosecutors to uh, join their uh, duty stations and uh, to be able to uh, deliver justice in the remote areas where they work or even in the compromised areas because of the difficult security situations. And so we help them with missions to to join their duty stations. Sometimes it's about securing the buildings where they work, so we draft projects uh, that ensure that there's enough security. Other part of the work is so the fight against impunity, which means that we monitor the grave uh, human rights violations and try to see how we can help the prosecutors in uh, in investigating uh, these, uh, these cases. But also it revolves around capacity building training. So we see what are the needs of the judiciary and the justice system, what kind of reforms there needs to be made, and then we organize workshops and roundtables where they can discuss what needs to be reformed in terms of the law or the procedures, or even what are the trainings that they might need in order for them to perform their tasks efficiently and effectively, such as how to investigate uh, terrorism crimes or how to investigate conflict-related uh, sexual violence. Another interesting aspect is also trying to see how there could be like a complementarity between traditional justice and between the formal justice, part of it is also understanding why do the people feel much more closer to traditional justice and less trust sometimes or confidence in in the formal justice and try to see how we can bring those two actors of the formal justice and traditional justice, how could we bring them together, how could they work together, and coming out with innovative projects like reconciliation and justice. For instance, bringing judges with us in reconciliation meetings to see if he could gain the trust of the people. It's very interesting always. I mean it's different from one place to the other but it's also interesting in terms of how to engage with the population and with our
2: privileged partners. And what is your background? Where did you work before?
1: I studied law at the University of Birzeit in uh, in Ramallah, Palestine, and then uh, I went for a master's at the University of Nantes, and I, I was specialized in criminal law and criminal sciences. I went back to Palestine, worked for a human rights organization, Al Haq for three years before I did another LLM in international human rights and humanitarian law. And then afterwards, I went to Tunisia, where I worked as a legal researcher uh, during a pivotal period where Tunisia was transitioning in a democratic state. I worked with the International Commission of Jurists. By coincidence, I got this UNV assignment in Mali in late 2018, and I've been here since then.
2: So you've been there for three years now. What kind of cases have you worked on? Can you give us some examples?
1: It's really different every time. But one of the first cases that I worked on was the case of Kulugan on the 1st of January 2019. And it was maybe less than a month since I joined the mission. 39 people were killed by armed uh, elements and their houses were burned. I worked on that case closely with the prosecutor of Mopti. Our team basically assisted him logistically and technically in investigating the case. We held a mission there in the area and they managed to have access to over 30 victims and witnesses. They listened to them all day. We visited the area. Something similar happened in March also 2019 where 160 people were killed And so we assisted the special uh, prosecutor on these crimes to visit the area also and to see the mass grave and to investigate with talking with the population about what happened. Also, another aspect of my work is focusing a lot on the conflict-related sexual violence. There's been many cases that we are documenting and trying to see whether we could bring them to justice, but there's a huge problem because these are very sensitive cases, so sometimes trying to encourage the victims to bring the cases before the justice is very difficult. Other times, we don't really know about the real number of how many incidents are taking place, even if the women or the victims, they are bringing their cases before social workers to get some kind of medical aid. But in most of the time, there's no uh, judicial follow-up or legal follow-up because even if the prosecutor wants to bring these cases forward, he cannot move forward because the victim does not give details about what happened. And so uh, the file of the case usually stays empty and there's really no no or very, very limited kind of judicial follow-up on these cases. Part of the job is also trying to identify these gaps and to see how we can provide alternative uh, solutions in, in such difficult cases.
2: Yeah, that sounds quite shocking actually, the kind of cases you mentioned. We can imagine that it can be quite burdensome and that you witness some awful things. How do you cope with that?
1: It's, it's difficult indeed. But I think knowing that maybe a tiny bit of the work that we are doing here might actually bring justice to the victims, to their families, actually gives you a little bit of hope and f- makes you feel like, OK, maybe this is a way to bring justice to the world. I think other part is just talking about it with the colleagues, understanding also to give ownership for the population about what is going on, listening to them carefully, knowing that whatever they are saying, they are entrusting you with these kind of information. I think this is something that makes me much more aware of the responsibility of being in this post and trying my best to do my job properly for them, but also keeping good relationships with the people that I work with, with the other UNVs, discussing, you know, whatever we go through, all of these things actually help in this kind of work. It makes it less problematic.
0: Yeah, you've now mentioned several things that are very difficult about your job. And is there something that's very rewarding about your job as well?
1: I think it's rewarding in a sense that when you see the satisfaction sometimes with the partners that we work with, when you build this very good connection with the people and with the partners, the judges, the lawyers, the prosecutors, when they give you a good evaluation, all of these things they are very rewarding. And I think on a personal level, it becomes also rewarding the fact that you know that all the information that you have been entrusted with, you are taking good care of it honestly and genuinely, you care about these people. And I think this is at least rewarding for me. Also knowing that there's people who recognize the effort that you are trying to do, either uh, with the colleagues that you work with or with the population or with the partners, they recognize the work that you're doing. This is on its own, I mean, very rewarding.
0: And you actually come from a region that is no stranger to conflict. You're from Palestine. In fact, you're the only Palestinian UN volunteer in Mali. Do you think this unique perspective has helped you in working in a conflict area today?
1: Definitely, it's helped me a lot. First of all, I feel like I share the same feelings with the people we understand each other we understand what it means to lose people what it means to be missing out on opportunities because you you work in a conflict zone it's very relatable to me and this is why i feel like i kind of understand where the anger is coming from where is the frustration coming from and i can relate to it and i can understand it and express it in ways and try to even give solutions based on also my own experiences and I think this is very interesting experience for me. It humbled me also a lot because knowing that, and I don't mean it in a bad sense, but being from a place where there's occupation and going through lots of things in, in, in my own life and then going to somewhere else where people are also suffering and it makes you feel like, okay, I'm not alone in this. There's also other people who are going through bad things in their lives and I need to be there also for them. So it helps me deal with my own uh, things and reflect on them in a much more conscious way and also makes me feel, okay, I'm not the only one who's suffering. There are also other people who are going through way much worse stuff sometimes and they also need my help. And so it kind of becomes a motivation you know, if it's not working, at least in my country, let me try to work it out in somewhere else and try to help out as much as I can.
0: Yeah, as a UN volunteer, you're often tasked with working with political injustice. However, as we researched your background, we learned that injustice does not only affect the region you come from, but also your family. And would you like to share your and yours family's story with us? Yes, it's
1: very difficult. Just recently in July 2021, our house was raided by the Israeli army and my mom was arrested. So now she's considered a political Palestinian prisoner and uh, it's been almost, it's going to be almost three months now since her arrest. It's very hard because uh, on the day of her arrest, I was actually packing to go back to Palestine and uh, i was really looking forward to see her because given that i live in mali and my family is back home in palestine i don't get the chance to see them uh, quite often or as much as i want only maybe twice a year. So the last time I actually saw my family was in November 2020. And so after such a long time, I was really looking forward for it and to go back and to spend really quality time with the family. Just before I reached there, my mom was arrested. So it adds, I mean, to what I feel in terms of, you know, sadness. It's a bit surreal. I mean, I work in justice. This is my field. I work on access to justice, the right to a fair trial, all of that. And it is the one thing that I cannot even, you know, offer to my mother, who has been arrested since July. I mean, it was very, very difficult. And coming back to Mali, where I have to put on a strong armor... And act as if everything is fine and under control and advocate for people's rights to access to justice, to a fair trial while it's not even guaranteed for my own mother. It becomes a bit surreal. And I mean, I I try as much as I can, you know, uh, to keep on the fight. But sometimes it gets to me and I'm very sad and I don't know how to deal with it.
0: Of course. Thank you for sharing with us. Yeah, that sounds really difficult and, as you said, very surreal because you work in Mali and this is happening all all back home and, of course, we also hope for the release of your mother.
2: You already said that you've been at MINUSMA for three years now. MINUSMA has officially become the UN's most dangerous peacekeeping mission with 209 peacekeepers killed out of a force of about 15,200. How do you experience this danger in your day-to-day life? Can you move freely or what can you do in your free time?
1: I mean, Mopti is, in comparison with other regional uh, offices of MINUSMA, kind of OK. You know, we leave the, the, the camp, we can go meet with our partners outside the camp. Uh, we go to the tribunal, we go to the prisons, we visit them without needing uh, escort or convoys. And uh, we have a curfew that starts at 9 p.m. every day until 7 a.m. in the morning. I mean, I would say it's okay. We have to be careful. We always have to have our radios on. We need to listen if there are any, like, security threats. If we hear, like, sounds or if the alarm starts we know that we have about uh, 20 to 30 seconds to run to the closest bunker if we drive by the car we just need to be careful about like the road that we're driving in usually we, we try to use the main roads we also inform security before leaving where we are going to and uh, who is going uh, what are the unids that we're using etc and then if we park the car we need to park it in, in a way that it's easy for us to drive it and to leave the area as, as fast as we can, so it's always ready. We also make sure that when we get in the car, we do a tour around the car to make sure that there's nothing uh, suspicious. Obviously, we remember the numbers for the security every day we have to do a check around 7 pm just to ensure that everyone is in the camp everyone is reachable etc and before we are deployed to the region or once we are deployed to the region we have to have a security briefing and we also have to do a security uh, security training which involves also learning about how to deal with incidents of fire how to deal with if you are going to be kidnapped what uh, measures you need to take into consideration, or if there's uh, a field with mines, like how to identify explosives, and how to avoid them or to, to just stay away from them. When we go also on missions, we have our helmets, we have our bulletproof uh, jackets always with us. Usually, we know like how to conduct ourselves. I mean, in the missions, we always need to have this equipment on, just for our safety. And we need to listen to uh, the forces who are securing the area and securing uh, securing us.
0: Wow, that sounds really intense. However, on occasion, you're also involved in other activities. For example, when you organize a fun day for 40 children at a hospital. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: With uh, MINUSMA, we cannot do kind of humanitarian intervention because this is something that UN agencies and others, there are doing the humanitarian intervention and aid. But as a UNV, we have that kind of margin to be close to the community to interact with them. And so we had this idea, we thought, okay, we want to benefit the community in a way or another. So we thought, let's do a fun day for the kids, at least in the hospital. They need cheering up, let's bring them presents, let's play with them, let's decorate their section. We decided to dedicate our UN volunteer day to dedicate it for the children at Dolo Hospital. We took like half of the day off. We funded it ourselves and part of the funding also came from the UNV program and we bought presents for the kids. We decorated it. And we had so much support also from other uh, UN uh, staff members who donated money to help us out in in this day. It was really fun because we could remember like the children, they were smiling. I mean, some of them are, are really sick. So it was very helpful for them to see that there's people who are interested in their lives and what is going on. And Children, they kind of give you hope, they're always smiling and uh, you become very resilient, you know, seeing them uh, with, with these smiles on and they're so happy about the gifts that they are receiving. So it was a, it was a very nice experience. I think we have been very children oriented with uh, our UNV in team. We're always trying to do activities for the kids.
0: I bet there are a few listeners here who would like to become a UN volunteer. Do you have any recommendations?
1: do it. If they get the chance to do a UNV post, this is amazing. First of all, we get the chance to do lots of work. We learn a lot from this experience. You meet lots of people. The UNVs themselves are interesting, but also you learn a lot about the organization that you're working for and how it operates. And I think I did the right thing by starting at least as a UNV before jumping into the UN system. I think this is a very good entry point for anyone. And as I said, if you want to learn also about the place where you're going to work, I think UNV gives you lots of opportunity to be closer to the community, to work with children, to work with women, uh, anyone like that you are not necessarily working with as a UN staff. For instance, let's say if you are a professional working on justice, your only interaction is going to always be with the justice system. While if you are a UNV working for justice, you'll have both uh, interactions with the justice system, but also with the community where you can do volunteerism work and fulfill, I mean, what it means to really be a volunteer. So yes, do it. I I really encourage you.
2: Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. That does sound really inspiring. Thank you for listening to Inside UNBON.
0: The music is by Tim Moore and the design and visualizations of the podcast were done by me, Monia Sauvager. Thank you to the German Ministry of Foreign Affairs for their generous financial support in making this podcast happen. We will be back soon with more human stories from the people behind UN Bonn.
2: To find out more about UN Bonn's 25th anniversary and the stories behind UN Bonn, please visit www.unbonn.org. On Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, we are at UN Bonn. Please take the time to review us because it does make a difference. Until next time. Thank you.